This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. Welcome back to Case Closed. Thanks for joining me this Wednesday for another hour of crime. We'll begin this week with Dragnet and the Big Signet, their episode from July 31st, 1952. After that, it's the Fat Man, in Order of Murder, his episode from May 23rd, 1951. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima Cigarettes, king size, extra mild and soothing, brings you Dragnet on both radio and television. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a robbery detail. Two armed bandits hold up a restaurant in your city. The owner is slugged, beaten viciously. One of the bandits is shot. The other makes good his escape. Your job, get him. Friends, the name Fatima has always stood for quality. Fatimas are distinctive with a truly different flavor and aroma. And in king-size Fatima, you get an extra mild and soothing smoke, plus the added protection of Fatima quality. Remember, in Fatima, the difference is quality. Because of its quality... It's extra mildness. It's better flavor and aroma. Fatima continues to grow in favor among king-size cigarette smokers everywhere. Switch to Fatima yourself today. Ask your dealer for Fatima in the bright, sunny yellow pack. King-size Fatima. The difference is quality. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Monday, June 2nd. It was smoggy in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of robbery detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Diddy. My name's Friday. It was 7.53 a.m. when I got to room 27A. Robbery detail. Oh, good morning, Joe. Morning, Frank. What's doing? Not too much. How was the weekend? Oh, it was great. I hated to come back. It's sure nice up there. Where'd you go? Same place? Yeah, Lake Mary. You remember Don Camphouse up there, don't you? Yeah, sure. He said to say hello. Fishing's real great up there. You ought to try and make it next month or so if you can. Mm, fat chance. Why, what's the matter? The in-laws are loose again. They're coming down for a visit. Never stay less than a month. That'll take care of my vacation. That's too bad. Why don't you say something to the wife? What's the use? Why start an argument? What do we got here? Anything hot? Yeah, this one here. Hold up in the slugging cafe down at South Hill. Radio car boys jumped him. Shot one of them, the other one got away. They identified yet? Yeah, the one who was shot, Benny Ashford. Record long as your arm. Graduate from Folsom. Some of them never learned. How about the number two man? Don't know. They tried to talk to this Ashford last night. He wouldn't tell them anything. I called the hospital just before you came in. They operated on the guy six o'clock this morning. You're going to call as soon as he's able to talk. It's going to be a couple days at least. How much did they get? Here's a crime report. Thank you. You talked to victims yet? No, not yet. It's a fair night's work, isn't it? Mm-hmm. $805 in cash, man's diamond signet ring, estimated value of $1,500. Hmm. 17 stitches in the victim's scalp, slug of the revolver. Must have meant business. Lousy thing. They didn't have to slug him. He couldn't put up much of a fight anyway. 68 years old. No other witnesses, huh? 
No. Just the owner, his wife, the bartender? That's all they have listed, yeah. Did you phone the victims yet? No, I was just going to when you came in. Two phone numbers for them. They're both listed there. Yeah, I see. Why don't you finish up with the day book here and I'll give them a call, all right? Okay, fine. This is Friday, Los Angeles Police Department, Central Robbery. Mr. and Mrs. Reiner there, please? Neither one of them. Well, how about the bartender? Is he there? Six o'clock, I see. No, that's all right. I got their home phone. Yeah, thanks very much. Nobody there. Try the other number? Yeah. Hello, is this the Reiner residence? Yeah, well, this is Friday, LAPD, Central Robbery. Los Angeles Police Department. Yes, ma'am. Yes, Ms. Reiner. Oh, I just called the restaurant trying to get a hold of you. How's Mr. Reiner this morning? I see. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it'd be possible if my partner and I could drop out and see you this morning. No, your case has been assigned to us. Yes, ma'am. Well, how about 10 o'clock? That'd be convenient for you? All right, fine. Yes, right away. Thank you very much. Bye. Oh, I got it set up, Mr. and Ms. Reiner. Yeah. 10 o'clock this morning out at their home. How's the old man feeling? My wife says pretty rough. He lost quite a bit of blood. Big shock for an old man. It's too bad. She says he's still pretty hazy, but we can talk to him. One thing he remembers pretty well, though. Yeah? The face of the man who slugged him. 8.20 a.m. We finished making up the day book, and then we went over to the main jail to interview two other robbery suspects who'd been booked in over the weekend. We completed our 510 reports on them, and then we got in the car and drove out to the Westchester District to talk to the victims of the cafe holdup the night before, Mr. and Mrs. William Reiner. 9.55 a.m. We arrived at the Reiner home, and a small, gray-haired woman answered the door and asked us in. She identified herself as Mrs. Reiner. Come right into the living room, officers, and make yourselves to home. Right, Thank, Thank you. you. Go ahead, sir. I hope you'll excuse the way the house looks. Everything's all upset. I haven't had a chance to do any picking up. It's perfectly all right, ma'am. We understand. I was up with my husband half the night. He had heard him something terrible. It's almost six in the morning before he got to sleep. I hope this is enough to make up his mind for him. How do you mean, Mrs. Reiner? About selling the place. I've been after him for months to get rid of it. Business like that's for younger people. We're getting too old to keep it up. Besides, the doctor's been telling William he needs more rest, less worry. Oh, I see. How's your husband feeling now, ma'am? Oh, not so well. He lost so much blood and his head's so sore. He's taking a nap right now. I expect he'll be awake in a few minutes. That's all right with you, isn't it, officer? Yes, sir. It's perfectly all right. We'd like to go over the thing with you anyway. Might possibly be something that you forgot to mention to the officers last night. Well, I told them everything. I'm sure I did. Maybe some of the details, Mrs. Reiner. Maybe some little thing that didn't seem important to you could mean a good deal to us. Well, I, I don't know. I thought I told them everything. Where, where do you want me to start? Well, when did you first notice the two hold-up men, Miss Reiner? When they come out of the back room. I guess they'd been hiding there. You noticed them earlier in the evening? I mean, were they customers in your place? Well, I'm not sure, but I think so. Where were they served? Was it in the restaurant or were they in the bar? Well, there again, I'm not positive, but I think it was in the bar. I think I served them two bottles of beer. You don't happen to remember what you did with those two bottles, do you, ma'am? Possible we may be able to lift some prints off of them. No. The officers asked me that last night. It wouldn't do any good. You see, I was the only one who touched the bottles. We used the regular big mugs and I poured the beer for them. Neither one of them touched the bottles. Now, how about the man who escaped, Miss Reiner? You remember him pretty well, do you? What he looked like on him? Oh, yes. Yes, he's the one who did all the talking. He's the same one who hit my husband, too. What did he look like, ma'am? How old would you say he was? Oh, I don't know. I think I'd say he was in his late 30s, yes. How tall, ma'am? Well, my husband's five foot nine, and 
I'd say the man was two inches taller than him. He's huskier, too. I, I'd guess about 175 or 80 pounds, a very strong-looking man. Do you remember what he was wearing, Miss Ryan? It was a tan sports coat, I think, and green slats, light green, and a dark brown hat. Did you notice anything unusual about him? I beg your pardon? Anything outstanding about him, anything that was different? Say, a scar, a mole, tattoos, anything like that? No, no, not that I could notice. What was the first thing this man said to you and your husband, ma'am? Well, he said it to all three of us, me and my husband and the bartender. Uh, that's George O'Leary. He's been with us for years. He's a good bartender. He'd only stay sober. Yes, ma'am. What was the first thing the hold-up man said? Well, he's the same one that hit my husband, you know. He said in a real loud voice, he said, this is a stick-up. Get your hands up high and keep them there. Well, what happened then? We put our hands up for George. That's the bartender, you know. Scared him so bad he dropped a full bottle of bourbon. Bonded, too. Broke all over the floor. George isn't well. That's why he drinks. Well, what did the hold-up men do after they had you raise your hands? Well, that one that hit my husband. He told the other man to go behind the bar and get the money. It was all spread out on the bar. William and I was just checking the register when it happened. Let's see. Would you go on, please? Well, after they got the register money, they put it in our bank bags. And then they went through my purse and through my husband's wallet. And through George's wallet, too. They took George's last dollar and a half. Got $805 in all cash. I guess you knew that. Yes, ma'am. What happened after that? Jenny! Jenny, where are you? Oh, will you excuse me, officers? My husband. Yes, ma'am. Go right ahead. I'll just see what he wants. I think he'll be able to talk to you now. All right, ma'am. Frank, do you remember to bring that mug book? Yes, it's out in the car. That's good. We can leave it here where the Reiners pick it up later tonight. Huh? Okay, you want me to get it now? No, let's wait and see how he is. Officers, would you like to come back here? Officers? Yes, ma'am. We're coming. Jenny, would you pull up chairs for the officers? Oh, I surely. Officers, uh, this is my husband, Will. How do you do, Hello. sir? Here you are, Sergeant. Thank you very much. You catch the other man yet? Uh, one who hit me? No, sir, not yet. That's why we're out here. We know that you don't feel too well, Mr. Reiner. We'll try to keep it short. No, I sure don't. I guess Jen told you. My head's killing me. Poor girl. I kept her up most of the night, I guess. Sure, fine nurse, Jen. She didn't get any rest at all. Yes, sir. Well, she was just telling us about the holdup last night, sir, how it happened. I was telling them how they got the money, Will. I didn't explain about your ring, though. Do you want to tell them? It was the worst part of the whole thing. I'd rather have lost anything but that ring. How's that, sir? Some kind of a keepsake? It belonged to my dad. Diamond signet. Stone wasn't perfect, but money sure can't replace it. Yes, sir. I remember when dad gave it to me. It was just a couple of days before he died. It was his ring. Been the family way back. Which one of the holdup men took the ring, Mr. Ryan? The same one hit me. One got away. After they took all our money, he came over to me and said, Give me the ring. Hand it over. I told him I couldn't get it off my finger. Well, what did you do then, sir? Slapped my face. Said if I couldn't get the ring off, he could. Said if he had to, he'd cut it off. I pleaded with him. I told him what it meant to me. It didn't do any good. I see. When I didn't give him the ring right away, brought that gun down right on top of my head. Hit me as hard as he could. I don't remember too well after that. You think you'd recognize the man if you ever saw him again, Mr. Reiner? I'll never forget him. I sure hope you find the ring, officer. Jen and I have been through some tough times together. I guess at one time or other, we've either sold or pawned everything we owned. But we never let go of that ring. Never did. Not until last night. Isn't that right, Jen? Yes, that's right, Will. Well, we'll do all we can to get it back for you, Mr. Reiner. Now, about this man who got away, can you remember anything outstanding about him at all? Anything unusual? No, I don't think so. He had mean-looking eyes. I remember that much. Yes, sir. Kind of the smart aleck type, I guess. Kept twirling his gun around in his hand, on his finger, you know. Mm -hmm. I was scared death was going to go off. So was George. He's our bartender. 
Real scared, wasn't he, Jen? Oh, yes. George was white as a sheep. How do you mean, Mr. Reiner? He twirled the gun around. Oh, you know, like in the movies, cowboy pictures. Typical smart aleck. He sure did run when the cops came, though. Only wish he was the one who got shot. You're sure you'll be able to identify this man if you see him again? I told you I'll never forget him. Say, there's something about this I don't think I understand. Yeah? Why are you asking me all these questions about it? How about the fellow who was with that crook? Fellow that shot. Why don't you talk to him? He ought to be able to tell you who his partner is. Well, he had an emergency operation, sir, at 6 o'clock this morning. His condition's still critical. Oh, I see. Just a matter of time, then, huh? I mean, uh, when he recovers, you'll be able to talk to him. You'll find out what you want to. Well, there's only one hitch, sir. Whether he recovers or he doesn't recover. Yes? Either way, we can't depend on him. 11.38 a.m. After we finished interviewing the holdup victims, Frank got the mug book out of the car containing pictures of recent robbery releases from the state prisons, and we left it with Mr. and Mrs. Reiner. We instructed them that if they succeeded in identifying any one of the pictures, to take down his name and prison number and call our office immediately. We told them we'd be back later that afternoon. 11.50 a.m. We left the Reiner home and drove down to the scene of the robbery, the restaurant on South Hill. When we got there, Officer Walmsley from Leighton Fingerprints was just leaving. He told us that he'd been unable to raise any legible prints at the back window where the number two suspect had escaped. Frank and I checked over the scene, then we headed back for the office. There were half a dozen messages for us in the book. One of them was to call State Parole Officer Fred Galloway at his office on South Broadway. Frank put in the call, and Galloway said he'd be right down. He thought he had something for us. 1.05 p.m. Galloway met us in the squad room and briefed us on some of the information that he'd received earlier that morning from one of his parolees. It concerned the wife of a former holdup man who now was wanted by Galloway for violation of parole. He told us the wife had rented a car from a U-Drive lot in Santa Monica and that supposedly the ex-con and his wife were planning to leave the city. What's the tie, Fred? How's it figure in for us? I was talking to Chandler this morning. He happened to mention the holdup you're working. This fellow answered the description of the one who got away. What was that name again, the ex-con? Ernest Morgan. Your L.A. number 178435. Folsom number is 12968. reason I got pepped on is the thief could have hurt his leg jumping out of the back window of the bar. You figure he could have? Yeah, easily. It's a good 30, 35-foot drop. Why, Fred? Well, my informant says that Ernie Morgan has a bump foot. Hurt it so bad he can hardly walk on it. Uh-huh. Says he saw Morgan day before yesterday. His leg was all right then. Uh-huh. Sounds like a good one to get off the street, huh? Well, you say we check his package. Good idea. Your informant say who this Morgan's been running with, Fred? He said he didn't know. He thinks he plays it alone, more or less. Go ahead, Fred. Mm-hmm. You contact the U-Drive lot, Fred, and get the dope on the car? Yeah. Didn't want to put the teletype on until I was sure. One of the fellows from our office had to make a call out that way. They're taking a mugshot of Morgan's wife out there to see if the U-Drive clerk can give him an ident on her. She got a record? Well, she's never done any time. She stood a couple of pinches with him. Never could make her on anything, though. Mm-hmm. I'll pull the package. All right, fine. How about your victims, Joe? Are they any good? Yeah, they claim they can identify the man. I don't think we'll have any trouble there. How about this informant of yours? He know where we can locate the Morgans? No, not now. According to him, Morgan and his wife left town about nine this morning. He thinks he might get a line on where they're headed, though. Well, how come your informant knows so much about Morgan? He run with him? No, he sold with him up at the joint. Go ahead, Joe. You want to have a look? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's the package, his mugshot. Mm-hmm. Is this your Ernie Morgan, Fred? Yeah, that's him. Good picture? Yeah, it looks just like it. The description, Joe. Got everything right down the line. Yeah. Check this right here. Habits and characteristics. Yeah, looks like it, doesn't it? What's that? He likes to twirl a gun in his hand. 
11.52 p.m. We placed Ernest Morgan's picture in an envelope along with two dozen other mug shots, and then we put in a call to Mr. and Mrs. Reiner, told them we were coming out to see them. They told us that so far, neither one of them had been able to identify any of the pictures in the mug book that we'd left with them. Fred Galloway went back to his office, and we told him we'd notify him the minute we got a positive identification. 2.25 p.m., we drove back to the Reiner home. The old man was still in bed. Been all the way through this book of yours, officer. Couldn't find one who looked like the man, could we, Jim? No, his picture's not in there, Sergeant. We're sure of that. Say, well, we've got some more of them here, folks. I'd like to have you look through them, if you don't mind. See if you can identify one of them. Yes, all right. Uh, Jen, would you fix this pillow back here for me, please? Oh, yes, of course, dear. Dear. There you are. Thank you. You see any picture in the book that resembled the man at all, sir? No, I didn't. None of them. Wasn't the one who looked like him. Here you are. See if any of these pictures look familiar to you. Thank you, sir. Uh, Jen, you want to sit here by me? We can see them together. All right, well. Uh, let's see now. Mm. Oh, my. Look at this one, Will. Doesn't he look like a mean one? Mm-hmm. Hey, look at this one, Jen. Look at him. Think he's a college graduate, wouldn't you? Oh, my, yeah. Officer, this young man here, what did he do? Let me see that man. Oh, yeah, it's Marty Lee. Hold up and murder, Miss Reiner. Shot oh. and killed an elderly lady. She ran a candy store. Oh, Mac, you featured that. Such a clean-looking boy. Never believe, would you, Will? Takes all kinds, I guess. Let's see now. No. 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 Right, let me see, Will. Oh, no, that's not him. No. No, no, we've been through these already. Have you some more, officer? No, that's all, Mr. Reiner. You sure the hold-up man's picture isn't in there? Uh, no, sir. I, I looked at him all pretty carefully. I, I didn't see him. Did you, Jen? No, no, I didn't see him. Was his picture supposed to be in here? Well, we thought so, ma'am. Uh, let's see. Here, how about this one? Does he look familiar to you? Jen? No, no, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. We serve so many people every night. Are you folks sure you'll recognize the hold-up man when you see oh, him? Oh, yes. Yeah, of course, yes. No, well, just one more there. question here, Mr. Ryan. Yes? Now, are you absolutely sure this is not the man who held you up and slugged you last night? Yes, I'm sure. It's not the man. You are listening to Dragnet, authentic stories of your police force in action. Because of Fatima quality, its extra mildness, its better flavor and aroma, more smokers coast to coast are switching to king-size Fatimas every day. Switch to king-size Fatimas yourself. You'll find they're distinctive with a truly different flavor and aroma. You'll find Fatima gives you an extra mild and soothing smoke, plus the added protection of Fatima quality. Yes, that's why Fatima continues to grow in favor among king-size cigarette smokers everywhere. Remember, the name stands for quality. Insist on Fatima. The extra mild and soothing king-size cigarette with the added protection of Fatima quality. Ask your dealer for the bright, sunny yellow pack. Buy king-size Fatima. Monday, June 2nd, 2.45 p.m. After the victims, Mr. and Mrs. Reiner failed to identify Ernest Morgan as the robbery suspect, Frank and I got in the car and drove back to the office. Neither one of us had anything to say. Just at the moment, we figured that we had the suspect positively identified. The victims themselves had contradicted what we thought was definitely the answer to the case. It wasn't by any means a news story, 
One of the first lessons a working detective learns is to keep an open mind, regardless of how incriminating the circumstances first appear to be. The big fallacy of a detective being too sure too soon is based, for the most part, on the failure to recognize that police work means human beings dealing with human beings. So instead of going by the usual odds, the human margin for error is doubled. Frank and I didn't have too clear an idea of how or why it came about, but suddenly we found ourselves farther away from the solution of the case than before we started. 3.10 p.m. Lousy day, huh? Yeah, sure. Ten after three, feel like I haven't slept for two days. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's pretty hard to figure in it. Sure, hope the wife did the washing today. Why? She won't feel much like talking. I sure don't. Well, let's check the book, huh? Yeah, I'll do it. Right. Couple of phone calls, Joe. One from the hospital, prison ward. What do they want? Our number one suspect, Ashford. He's doing better than they figured. Be available for interview tomorrow morning. Lucky thief, huh? Was a copy, would have died. Another message. It's from Galloway. Wants us to call him. It's still a Madison number? Yeah. What's the pass? Oh, yeah, please. There you go. Adult parole, please, men. Thank you. Fred Galloway, please. Smith, robbery, LAPD. Thanks. Hi, Fred. Frank Smith. Uh-huh. Yeah, that right. You sure about that? Uh-huh. Sure doesn't figure. No, I didn't mean a thing to him, yeah. Okay. Right, thanks, Fred. It's got me, Joe. Well, what's the matter? Galloway got the report back from that U-Drive lot, place where Morgan's wife rented that car. Mm -hmm. They identified her as the woman who rented that car. She offered him a deal. She didn't want to leave a cash deposit for the car. Well, what'd she offer? Man's ring, diamond signet. After we got the word from State Parole Officer Fred Galloway, we got out a broadcast and an APB, in addition to those we already had out. We requested that the rented car and the occupants be held for questioning in connection with the robbery of Reiner's Cafe the night before. If a man's diamond signet ring was found in possession of the occupants or in the car, it was to be booked as evidence. The following morning, Frank and I interviewed our number one suspect, Benny Ashford, in Ward 13,400 at General Hospital Prison Ward. Because he had the idea his partner had run out on him and taken the money with him, that he'd let him down, Ashford was in a fairly cooperative mood. After talking with him for a little more than 20 minutes, he named Ernest Morgan and identified his mugshot as his companion in the robbery of Reiner's Cafe. He also told us the holdup was Morgan's idea and that Morgan had told him the job would be a pushover. We asked him where he thought we might locate Morgan, and he told us our best bet was Las Vegas, Nevada. Supposedly, Morgan had a good friend in Las Vegas, an ex-con by the name of Harry Breen. Frank and I went back to the office where we met with Inspector Farnan and Captain Didion. At 1.30 that afternoon, according to instructions, Frank and I signed out a trip car and headed out U.S. Highway 91 for Las Vegas. We checked in at the Las Vegas Police Department a few minutes before 8.30 that night. The alleged friend of the suspect, Morgan, Harry Breen, had already been taken into custody by Las Vegas officers on the request of Captain Didion. We began questioning Breen, and he readily admitted that he was acquainted with Morgan. All right, how long ago did you see Morgan? I don't know, this afternoon sometime. A lot of hours in an afternoon. When did you see him? What are you so excited about? What do you do, commit a murder? Now look, Breen, how much time do you owe the state? What's that got to do with We didn't drive all the way up here just to pass the time of day with you. You know he's hot. If you want to cover for him, you can serve his time. Look, I don't get it. I'm not his keeper. If you want him, find him. I bet we're going to find him if we have to walk all over you to do it. When the two of you are up doing time, you can figure it out for yourselves. Trouble with you cops, once a guy does time, you can't leave him alone. I've been leveling since I got out. I've been carrying a lunch pail every day. All right, now look, Breen, who do you think you're giving a snow job? We've been kidded by experts. You're not giving us anything new. We didn't send Morgan up to see you. If you're so lily-white, how come Morgan got in touch with you? All right, I'll tell you. 
You're as bad right now as the day they locked the gate on you. You're never sorry for what you've done. You just moan because they caught you. Save that act for the jury, Breen. We're not going to buy it. Now, what about it? Where is he? Wait a minute, huh? What are you so sore at me for? I didn't rob anybody. You said you did. You must have been talking to Morgan. All right, I have. I told you I talked to him. He came around this afternoon. Now, get off my back. What do you huh? want? He's hot. He wanted to cool off. Where's he now? I don't know. Well, look, how should I know? He came around with his wife, asked for a favor. I couldn't do it. I just got married. My wife's a square. I told her about it. She wouldn't go for it. The guy's a big crybaby anyway, trying to tell me how we ought to stick together. Never done a favor for me. You see the car he was driving, Brink? Yeah. Convertible coupe packer. California plates. How'd you notice? You got the license number? No, he asked me where he could get some cold plates. I figured it was hot. You get him any plates? Look, I wouldn't know where to get him. I already told you. I've been leveling ever since I got out. There's no use kidding. I couldn't do any more time. I'm too old. One more trip and I'm through. I'm really through. I got a good wife. She works every day. I don't want to lose that. All right, Breen. You take your choice. What do you mean? What do you like the best, Morgan or your wife? What about it? All right, you got it. The suspect's friend, Harry Breen, went on to admit that during the conversations he'd had with Ernest Morgan that afternoon, Morgan had told him that he and his wife were going to San Francisco. There, supposedly, they would contact a man by the name of Baker Harrison, who operated a restaurant out by Hunter's Point. He said the Morgans had told him that they planned on driving at night only to lessen the chances of the police spotting their car. We immediately got in touch with Inspector George Haig of the San Francisco Police Department and notified him of the latest developments in the case. He told us he'd read our teletypes and said that he'd place the restaurant operated by Baker Harrison under immediate surveillance. We told him we'd leave early the next morning for San Francisco after we'd gotten a few hours sleep. Before we turned in, we got off a teletype to Captain Diddy and bringing him up to date on what had happened and what our plans were. The next morning at 6.30, Frank and I left Las Vegas for San Francisco. A few minutes after 7 o'clock that night, we checked in at the San Francisco Hall of Justice at Washington and Kearney Streets. Inspector Haig was waiting for us. He informed us Harrison's restaurant out at Hunter's Point was still being covered, but so far, Morgan and his wife had failed to put in an appearance. Along with Inspector Haig, Frank and I drove out to the restaurant and joined the detail that had the place under surveillance. 9.05 p.m., no sign of the suspects. 10 p.m., 10.30, 11 o'clock, midnight, still no sign. We waited. How about this fog? I sure wish I brought my top coat. I'm freezing. Yeah, if they don't show pretty soon, we're going to have to pull in closer. I can hardly see the door to the restaurant over yeah. there. Smell that hot coffee. Sure could use a cup right now. Look at that fog out there, Frank. Mm. Can't tell where the bay leaves off and the fog begins. Wait a minute, Joe. Yeah. Car pulling up. Convertible. Yeah. It's Packard. Wait till he get in the light. We can see him better. A man getting out, heading for the restaurant. Yeah, it looks like him. Come on. Yeah. Somebody else in the car. It's a woman. Haig's got it covered. George is with him. All right, let's hustle it. Come on. Passing under the light. It's him, Joe. Yeah. All right, hold it. Right where you are, police officers. What's the matter? What do you want? All right, hands up in front of you. Get him up high. All right, I got him up. What's it all about? What's the trouble? Frank, you want to shake him? Yep. Come on, keep those hands up and stand still. I'm standing still. Is this a shakedown or what? I haven't done anything. Nothing doing, Joe. Clean. His hands aren't. Hmm? Your right hand, mister. Let's have a look at it. All right. Still don't get this there. What about it? Ring on your finger. Where'd you get that? It's mine. Why? I had it a long time. Diamond signet. A little big for you, isn't it? Doesn't quite fit. What are you getting at? What's my ring got to do with it? Where'd you get it? Crap game. I won it in a crap game. It's down in Las Vegas. I won a gamble. Is that right? Yeah, a bunch of guys up in the hotel room shooting a little crap. Just a gamble I won. Sure of that, are you? Of course I'm sure. Just a crap game. I took a gamble I won. Oh, you're half right, mister. Yeah? You gambled, but you didn't win. The story you have just heard was true. The 
The names were changed to protect the innocent. On August 8th, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 89, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. And now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. Friends, because you know what you're looking for in a king-size cigarette, all we ask you to do is compare Fatimas and then make up your own mind. You'll find Fatimas are distinctive, with a truly different flavor and aroma. You get an extra mild and soothing smoke, plus the added protection of Fatima quality. Smoke king-size Fatima. I'm convinced you'll agree that the difference is quality. Ernest Harold Morgan was tried and convicted of robbery in the first degree, along with his accomplice, Benjamin Ashford. Ernest Morgan's wife was tried for conspiracy to commit robbery and found not guilty. Robbery in the first degree is punishable by imprisonment in the state penitentiary from five years to life. Ladies and gentlemen, when you buy defense bonds, you help build your own future security. You also become a partner with Uncle Sam in building America's security. Buy your bond today. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Vic Perrin, Virginia Gregg, Harry Bartell, Ralph Moody. Script by Jim Moser. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. King Size Fatima has brought you Dragnet, transcribed from Los Angeles. NBC, the national broadcasting company. Stay tuned for tonight's adventure with the fat man. Perhaps you don't believe in the kind of ghost that's supposed to haunt houses, but there are other kinds. Ghosts of words once spoken, ideas once held, personalities once present. They linger in our memories. And a walk in our nation's capital past the time-hallowed buildings which have witnessed so much of America's history can revive them. These are the memories, the all-pervasive ghosts of Washington. But for those of us who are unable to visit the Capitol, the same warm familiarity with the heroes of America's past is possible through the program Mr. President. Starring Edward Arnold, Mr. President, too, brings history to life. Tonight on ABC. There he goes. He's stepping on the scale. Weight, 237 pounds. Fortune, danger. Brad Runyon, the fat man. Crime, like death and taxes, is always with us. As long as there are crooked politicians and ambitious racket guys, the answer will be grass. If rich women continue to be careless with their jewels, there'll be headline robberies. And until somebody can change human nature, hatred in a heart and a gun in a hand will always add up to murder.
The American Broadcasting Company brings you, in part transcribed, The Adventures of Brad Runyon, the Fat Man, starring J. Scott Smart, an exciting and fast-moving criminologist who tips the scales at 237 pounds. Tonight's adventure, Order for Murder. Washington, D.C. that day, finishing up a job, and a friend of mine who lived some 40 miles south toward the Maryland coast had asked me down for the weekend. I hadn't seen him in several years. Since I had my car, I decided to go. I ate dinner before leaving and cleared Washington just after dark. The traffic dwindled off gradually, and 30 minutes later, I was rolling along a dark, deserted stretch of road on the Maryland side, not far from the Potomac River. I must when the motor of my car suddenly sputtered and died. I got out, but I couldn't find the trouble. It was a warm night, and back in the woods, a chorus of frogs were really whooping it up. I lit a cigarette, tried to remember the last house I'd passed, then saw the headlights of a car coming toward me. I stepped out and waved my lighted cigarette up and down. That's the trouble. My car broke down. Can you give me a lift into the nearest town? I'm going that far. Well, do you live out here? No. Or I can use the phone. Get in. I'll take it as far as I'm going. That's the house, I'll drop you off. Well, don't they have a phone where you're going? I wouldn't know. Get in if you want to write. Okay, thanks. Hey, uh, mind uh, lighting a cigarette for me? Yeah, keep it in your mouth. I'll hold the match for you. Huh? Here you are. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, I should have warned you about the scar. Why, well, didn't mean... That's all right. Come on, hold the match for me. Here. Well, go ahead. Ask me how it happened. I'm used to it. Seven years is a long time. From the war? Yeah, out in the island. That sweet, lovely, wonderful war. Maybe you know. Yeah, I know. Oh, it was great, wasn't it? More fun. <laughs> So funny, I thought I'd die, you know? Um, The name's O'Reilly. Johnny O'Reilly, and I'm not a kid. You couldn't tell by the face, could you? No, I guess I couldn't. Remember that name, mister, because you're probably going to be seeing it in the papers soon. Hmm? Why? I got a lot out of that war, but I didn't get any medals, and I should have got one, too, the big one. They didn't get it. Somebody else got it. You know who got it? Who? A major got it. Tie that if you can. A major back of the lines who let me do the work and then took the credit. I was hanging on in a hospital for more years than I like to remember. Why didn't they try plastic surgery? They did. Five times. The best they could do. <laughs> it was really fun. Been a long time coming back. But I'm back now. Seven years, nearly. You were in the hospital seven years? Yeah, that's right. Why didn't you protest when they gave this major the medal instead of you? I did. Didn't do any good. In a way, I'm glad now. Glad? Yeah. I'm going to make another protest in my own way. Now, as far as I can take you, I'll turn off down that little road over there. Oh, thanks for the lift. It's a pleasure. Give me somebody to talk to. Mind if I give you some advice? No, I don't mind. Forget the war. Make the best of things as they are. Just what I'm going to do. Uh, the river's down that way, isn't it? Yeah. Anything else? 
Yeah, a major lit down there. Gonna pay him a visit. I stood there watching the taillight of his car quickly fade out of sight down the little dirt road. It really wasn't any of my business, but the guy sounded upset enough to do anything. The least I could do was to try and stop him. I wondered how far it was to the river and started walking fast down the little dark road. I'd gone about a mile when the road turned off to the right and I could see the Potomac River through the trees. The road now ran parallel to the river, and five minutes later, I saw the lights of a house up ahead. It stood well back from the road in a clump of trees and fronted on the river. There were no cars in sight. Beyond it, a couple of hundred yards, was another house. I started toward it when suddenly, down in the woods between the two houses, I saw the flicker of a small light. Flashed on... Moved furtively around and went out. I pushed into the woods and walked cautiously toward it. George, George, is that you? George, they come. They're down there in the graveyard. I just... You're not George. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to frighten you. Who are you? Are you one of them? One of who? The spirits who are coming for the major. Major? Yes, Major Smith. I knew they'd come. I knew they'd hear me. And now he'll suffer. Now he'll pay for his wickedness. Does the Major live in that house? No. That's my house. He lives over there beyond the graveyard. At least he did live there. But he won't live there anymore. Not after tonight. Miss Hansen. Miss Nancy, where are you? Here I am, George. Over here. What you doing out here, Miss Nancy? You catch cold. George, I saw them. They were down there in the graveyard. Uh, uh, Who's this man? Why, why, I don't know. My name is Runyon. I'm looking for Major Smith's house. You're a friend of his? No, I've never even... But I hate him. I hate him. I never want him. please, Miss Nancy, please. You go on up to the house, Miss Nancy. I'll speak with this gentleman. Yes, George. Yes, George. Anything you say. Uh, you get to you. See, she ain't quite right in her head, but she don't mean no harm. Mr. Smith coming here to live after all these years and bringing a new young wife with him just sort of set it off again. Why does she hate Major Smith so much? Well, uh, years ago when Miss Nancy and Miss Smith were both young folks, they was engaged to get married. But he changed his mind at the last minute and left Miss Nancy waiting at the church. He run off with another woman. What's all that crazy talk about spirits? Oh, that's just an idea she's got. That little graveyard over there belongs to the Smith family. Miss Nancy thinks his ancestors are coming out of the ground and taking him away. Mm-hmm, I see. Uh, this young wife of Smith, she isn't the one he ran off with when he left Miss Nancy, is she? Oh, no. That one died a long time ago. This is a new one. And if you ask me, he's going to be sorry ever laid eyes on her. What do you mean by that? I mean, uh, she don't love him at all. They say she only married him for his money, and she'd like to get that just as soon as possible. The old man turned and left me standing there in the woods I looked down toward the graveyard But no more light showed in the darkness 
I went back to the road and walked quickly toward the Major's house. Just as I reached the gate, I heard a car coming along the road behind me. I stepped behind a tree and waited. The car stopped near the gate. I saw a man and woman sitting in the front seat. As I watched, they melted into a long embrace. Then the door opened, the woman got out. She said something in a low voice to the man, and the car swung around and disappeared up the road. The woman turned and started up toward the house. As she came abreast of me, I stepped out from behind the tree. Oh, oh you, you startled me. Uh, don't be frightened. I'm not going to hurt you. Well, who are you? What are you doing in my yard? Do you live here? Of course I live here. I'm Mrs. Smith. Your Major Smith's wife? Certainly. Was that the Major who just let you out of the car? Uh, you saw it? It wasn't the Major, was it? No, it wasn't. Who are you? My name is Runyon. I'm a private detective. So, my husband hired you to spy on me. All right, I'll save you some trouble. There is another man, and there always has been. I never loved Edgar, and he knew it. He was no good from the start. That's why he was court-martialed and discharged from the Army. But if he wants to get rid of me, he's going to have to pay plenty. Now, anything else you want to know? Mrs. Smith, your husband hasn't hired me. In fact, I've never even seen him. Well, then why are you here? What do you mean now, by... Just a minute. I met an upset guy in the road tonight, and he hates Smith. I think you may try to kill him. Sounded mad enough to be convincing. That's why I came here. Your husband at home? Why, yes. At least he was when I left several hours ago. Well, come on. Let's go inside. Very well. The guy dropped me back on the main road and headed in this direction. He was in a car? Yes, but I don't see it anywhere. Oh, uh, does Smith have a gun? Yes, he has several of them. Good. Hold it. What is it? Look there through the French doors. Is that the man? Yeah. He's got a gun. Yeah, he's covering your husband with it. What do we do? Those French doors are open. Can you enter the front door without making any noise? Yes, I think so. Okay, take your time, go inside. Then go around and open the door to that room. Open it fast and loud. What are you going to do? I'll slip over by those open French doors. When the door opens, he'll turn around and I'll grab him from behind. Well, suppose he shoots when I open the door. Don't step into the room. Just bang the door open suddenly. Mrs. Smith nodded silently and started for the front door. I eased over to the house and stopped in the shadows beside the open French doors and listened to Johnny taunt the major. How do you like it, Smith? How do you like sitting there waiting, knowing you're going to get it in a minute? You're insane. You're a madman. <laughs> yeah, I'm plenty mad. Been boiling in me for seven years. You probably don't recognize me, but the name is O'Reilly, Smith. Remember Johnny O'Reilly? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about a certain night in the islands during the war. What? Okay, Johnny, that's enough of that. Come on. Drop that gun. Drop Not a chance. Drop it. Grab the gun, Smith. Grab it. Try this for size, Fatty. Stop him. Stop him. He'll get away. No, no. Let him go. Give me that gun, you coward. I'll stop him. He's gone. Oh, you let him get away. Wait, I couldn't help it, Phyllis. I I couldn't seem to move. Mr. Runyon, are you all right? Yeah, I think so. You need me in the stomach knocked the wind out of me. He got away. It was my husband's fault. He could have stopped him. Where's his gun? Here it is. Give it to me. What are you going to do? Your husband and I are going out there and find that guy. Who are you? Never mind that now. Your wife says you have some pistols. Where are they? Here in this drawer. You take one and give your husband one. All right. And you stay here. Come on, Smith. Well, 
Do you think it's wise to go out there? We've got his gun. Yes, but he might have another one. Polish up that medal you won, Smith. It's time you earned it. We left Mr. Smith in the house and went out into the grounds. The moon had come up and we could see fairly well in the dark. We circled the house once, saw nothing, and walked down the road toward the graveyard. Here's the graveyard. Do you suppose he's hiding here? He's hiding somewhere. We didn't hear his car drive off. I think he... What's wrong? Look. What on earth? Somebody's been doing some digging. The grave. It's been opened. Yeah, not very long ago either. This pile of dirt is fresh. That explains the light you saw. Yeah. I don't understand this. The coffin's still in the grave, isn't it? Yes. Still down there. Why would anybody want to open this grave? Maybe Miss Nancy isn't so crazy after all, Smith. Or maybe somebody's just making room to add another coffin. Hey, who? Oh. The shot came from, but it hadn't been fired from close up. Smith clutched at his breast and then toppled forward into the open grave. I jumped down beside him and turned him over. His shirt front was covered with blood and his eyes were wide open. He'd never win any more medals or make any more enemies. He was dead. I crouched there beside him for nearly a minute, but nothing happened. And then I climbed out of the grave and started quickly back toward the house where we'd left his wife. Suddenly I heard somebody moving through the trees ahead of me. Stopped and waited. Steps came closer. Stopped ten or fifteen feet away. Mr. Runyon? Oh, Mr. Runyon, where are you? Over here, Mrs. Smith. Oh, Mr. Runyon. I heard a shot a minute ago. I thought... Where's my husband? What's happened? He's dead, Mrs. Smith. Dead? Then... Then that man did have another gun. I'm not so sure about that. What do you mean? Your husband wasn't a very popular guy. There were a few other people around who might have liked to see him out of the way. Are you trying to say that man didn't kill my husband? No, I'm just saying it's possible he didn't. Are you intimating that I... Maybe. After all, you admitted to me tonight that you didn't love him, that you only wanted his money. Well, that's true. I never loved him. And I did marry him for his money. But that's no crime. Lots of women marry men they don't love for that reason. But they don't all have another sweetheart on the side. My husband knew there was another man. I don't think he even cared. He might have refused to give you a divorce. That may be, but you're all wrong about this. I didn't shoot my husband. You had a swell chance to do it. We left you in the house alone. You could have easily followed us. You had a gun. Where is it? It's here in my coat pocket. Let's see it. Very well. Here. Well, are you satisfied? Well, it hasn't been fired. Of course it hasn't. There's one other possibility, though. What? The woman who lives in that other house down the road. Miss Nancy? Yeah. She hated your husband and was prowling around out here in the dark when I arrived. Surely you don't think she did it. Did it? And somebody dug up a grave over there a little while ago. She was rambling on about spirits coming out of the ground to punish her husband. Sounds fantastic. It is. But we'd better go have a talk with her. And we've got to call the police. Yes, but my husband, he's still lying out there. We can't help him now, and the police won't want the body to be touched. We can call them from Miss Nancy's house. There's a light on in the living room. 
She doesn't usually stay up this late. Wait a second. What's the matter? Look over there across the road in that clump of trees. A car? Yeah, it's the one O'Reilly was driving. Well, then he's still here. It must have been he who killed him, Mr. Runyon. Come on, let's have a look at that car. Stay behind me. He may be hiding inside. All right. O'Reilly, if you're in the car, you better come out with your hands up. O'Reilly. Okay, I'm coming after you. Car's empty. He's not here. Are you sure it's his car? Positive. He picked me up in it tonight. What are we going to do? I've got a hunch he'll be showing up soon if he hasn't spotted us. We better get back in those trees and wait. I took Mrs. Smith by the arm and drew her into the shadows. We stood there silently, waiting. Then a 15 minutes passed and nothing happened. I looked up toward Miss Nancy's house and saw that the light was still on in the living room. Suddenly, I felt Mrs. Smith's hand grip my arm. I held my breath and waited. Then I heard it. Somebody was moving stealthily toward the car. A second later, the figure of a man stepped into view. I slipped O'Reilly's gun out of my pocket and moved toward him. Freeze, O'Reilly. I got you covered. Huh? Don't move or you'll get a bullet in your back. Now put your hands up. Okay, okay. What are you looking for? A gun. I haven't got a gun. No, not now you haven't. Where'd you throw it away, O'Reilly? Throw it away? You didn't throw it away. You took it away from me. It's Smith's house. I mean the second gun, the one you shot the major with. I didn't shoot him, Runyon. I swear I didn't. Sure, I came out here to kill him, but I, but I didn't do it. I couldn't have done it because I, I didn't have a second gun. Why did you hang around here? Why didn't you beat it when you left the house? I was afraid of trying to make a break for the car, so I hit for those woods over by the graveyard. I was hiding out there when you and the Major found that grave and started talking about that crazy woman. Did you open the grave, Riley? Of course not. I heard the shot, and I saw Smith take that nosedive into the hole. Waited until you left, and then tried to sneak over here to my car. You're lying. You killed my husband. Okay, O'Reilly, start walking. Where we go? To call the police and have a chat with Miss Nancy. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, who are these people? Murder suspects. Where's Miss Nancy? Well, she's gone to bed. She's asleep. Uh, did you say murder? Yeah. Now, please wake Miss Nancy up. Well, 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 who's been murdered? Major Smith. Where's Miss Nancy's room? Well, right over there. She sleeps on the ground floor. Okay, wake her up. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, Miss Nancy? Miss Nancy? Open the door and get her up. What's wrong? Oh, she, she, she's gone. Miss Nancy ain't in here. Let me have a look in there. George. George. George, I didn't. She's dead. I killed. What are these people doing here, George? Uh, Miss Nancy, they say that... Just a second. Who's dead, Miss Nancy? Why, the major, of course. How did you know? How do I know? I know because I killed him, and I've just seen his body in the grave. You killed him? Certainly I killed him. What did you do with the gun? Gun? 
What gun? The gun you shot him with. I didn't shoot him. I didn't have to. For years I've been praying to them, but they wouldn't listen. So tonight, I decided to help them. Oh, it was you who opened the grave. Yes. Yes, I dug and dug, and finally they were freed. I went out just now to see if they'd gotten him. And there he was, dead, and in the grave. In the grave. Dead. Same as off a beam, Runyon. You know what she's talking about. You're right, but she's harmless. She hasn't killed anybody. Neither of you. Right, I told you that. I don't understand. Maybe this will help clear it up, sweetheart. You killed the major. And O'Reilly here put the noose around your neck a few minutes ago. I did? That's right. You told us you were hiding near the grave when we found it tonight. You heard the major and me talking about Miss Nancy, so you had to be pretty close to us because we were talking quietly. The shot that killed Smith came from 40 or 50 feet away, so it couldn't have been you who fired it. But you saw my gun. You know it hadn't been fired. That gun hadn't been fired, but you told me the major had several guns. Very simple matter to carry two guns and toss one away after the shooting. You're wrong. No, I'm not, sweetheart. The other gun will cinch it when the police find it. The important thing to know is we have to look for it. I tell you, I didn't... Hold it, O'Reilly. Okay, now behave, lady. Where's the phone, George? I've got to put in a call to the police and tell them I've got a murderer out here for them. J. Scott Smart, in part transcribed, was directed by Clark Andrews. The script, written by Richard Ellington. Heard on tonight's show were Vicki Vola as Phyllis and Jimmy McCallion as Johnny O'Reilly. The music was conducted by Bernard Green. Listen next week to another exciting adventure of the Fat Man. That's going to do it for Case Closed this week. I hope you enjoyed our selections this time. If you want to find more from Dragnet, The Fat Man, past episodes of Case Closed, and thousands of other old-time radio episodes, just visit the website. Everything is available there for free. Thanks to your support. If you'd like to help, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on the link on the website. And thank you, as always, to those who have. Thanks for joining me today. I'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Case Closed.